This morning, oh, what a worship was sweet, eh? Oh, oh, he loves us. He wants us to know it, and uh, it's not an idea. This this thought has been with me all week that, that, you know, Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's a very well-known scripture from John 8, 32. But a lot of us have thought that, that that meant we had to know concepts. But actually, the first place to go is to know the person. Because Jesus later said in John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is a person, not an idea. And freedom comes knowing the person, not just the concepts. And he was just wanting to engage with us personally this morning. You could hear it. He wants, his, he wants us to know his heart. We want to know his heart. And that, that's not that we have a list of, of checkpoints of what we know about him. He wants us to to know him. Uh, uh, what I felt to do for the next few weeks is actually something we've not done here for, for a while. It's, I'm going I'm to teach a series out of a book of the Bible. Uh, so if you turn with me to Galatians, and uh, I think it would really help us. I, I feel that it's, it's a good season to do this in. And uh, So if you find a book of Galatians with me, that would be really cool. And today is kind of an introduction, but if you, could, if, you could put a, if you could put a big heading over what Galatians is about, it, it, it's Paul trying to prevent the heart of faith being robbed by the legalists. That he's trying to prevent this incredible momentum that's being, that was being released around the world then of of, of Christianity, of Christian faith, becoming just religion and, and keep it away from the rules and the rulers. Because if you have rules, you have rulers. And that, he's trying, to, he's trying to distance himself and the gospel from all those kind of ideas and shift it and keep it focused where it should be, which is intimate relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And keep it focused on heaven coming to earth, not earth doing lots to reach heaven. So if we feel at any point our Christianity is about what we're doing to get to him, or what we're doing to achieve a status, then it isn't the gospel. The gospel is all about what has come from him to us, what he's done for us. So I want us to, to look at this. We're just going to read... Um, Chapter 1 through to, I'm borrowing Teresa's Bible, so it's probably about verse 11, and, and we'll refer to it as we, as we go. There's some other stuff we'll look at. All right, so Paul, verse one, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not sent from man, I'm reading the NASB, is that your version? So, it's, it's good. Paul, an apostle... <laughs> I was planning to bring my NIV, which is just slightly easier to read. But um, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. What an intro, eh? And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that 
he might deliver us out of this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, in fact, as we just said in the last verse, so I say it again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you receive, let him be accursed. Got the point? <laughs> For I am now, if I am now seeking the favor of men or of God, or I'm striving to please men, if I was still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. For I would, I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And, and you may have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism. I used to persecute the church of God uh, beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when he who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was, so, was pleased to reveal his son in me, and that I might preach him in the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh or with blood. That'll do. Wow. My title is, I've got too many titles really, but I think what Paul is doing, my title is Paul resisting the earthing of the gospel. And I, I want to do a little bit of an intro and then we'll look at, at, at this chapter. <clears throat> this, this, this is a letter, all right, written now around 2,000 years ago to some real people by a real person, okay? Just because it's in a nice black book and we've all kind of been around churches, but it was actually written by somebody and it was written to Galatian churches. So it was written to a region of many churches and it was written because these churches had been enjoying the gospel. And, and, and as we go on, you'll see in chapter 3, they'd been having a fantastic time. They'd been seeing signs and wonders. Holy Spirit had been coming on them. Stuff was happening around them. Freedom was breaking out. And then some people show up from Jerusalem and teach them that actually what they need now is rules, and particularly the rule of outward circumcision. And you all know what that is. So it was a particularly focused on the men. But you need, you, they're saying, if you really want to be a proper believer now, you need to add these Old Testament traditions and rules to all this incredible stuff you're having because that is important. And this circumcision party, as they were known, had come from Jerusalem, which was the sort of the birthing place of the church as well as the center of Judaism. Uh, and they were going around, and it seems that they disturbed this whole region. So I don't know how big Galatia is, but there's several churches. So this letter is written to be circulated to every one of them because they're all struggling with the same issue. Something is some idea from the historical religion of Judaism 
is being preached to be added to and infected and to infect the, the pure message that Paul had been carrying and, and bringing to them. Um, and this is a great, a great thesis against this intrusion, a great explanation as to why you don't need rules and why religion is a bad thing. All right, so their particular issue was circumcision and then a lot of other rules around it. But you can apply this book to all religious additions to the Christian faith. All rule additions that make you think that rules are cool. This is a great missile to explode those ideas. And, and Paul is... Paul is really lining up with Jesus here. Do you remember Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees? They thought he was talking about why they hadn't bought any bread for some reason, but they were in a boat. But actually what he was saying is, if you let this religious legalistic stuff into you, it's like leaven. You only need a little bit of it in your faith and in your heart, and it makes the whole lump wonky. It, makes the whole, it, it affects and infects everything. And, and Paul is... Paul is, I mean, Paul is passionately, I mean, like he said twice, and I think it's the NIV says, if anyone comes to you, whether it's me or an angel, comes and preaches a different gospel, let them be eternally condemned, I think is the NIV. And it says, in case you didn't get it, let them, I'm going to say it again. He's really like passionate about this. And then later on he says, of the circumcision party, you know those guys that are coming and they're doing a few little snips on your privates? I wish that they'd take the knife and cut themselves off all the way. That's in the Bible. This is how like sturdy he is about this stuff. You know, this isn't like, well, you know, we can just let this pass. This is like, no! Law and works and self-effort stand in direct opposition to Jesus and the kingdom and the gospel. And what, I've, what I love about this book, this, I've studied this book off and on for 20 years, and every time God does something new in my life, I find that it was already in Galatians. I just didn't see it. And, and, and tons of the stuff that he's been revealing to us and we've been enjoying and we've been seeking to establish is actually already here. Uh, so it's full of the centrality of the work of the Spirit. It's full of identity and sonship. It's full of freedom. It's full of grace. It's full of God's authority, not men's institutions. It's full of a culture of honor. There's a whole section on boundaries. It's just not, that's kind of a modern word for something that he says in chapter 6. It, it, it's, it's full of miracles as proof of God, God's presence and the gospel's reality. This, it's all the stuff we're talking about. It's right in here. And I thought it would help us just to look at it as Paul's trying to lift up the authentic and the genuine and, 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 and keep the infection out, keep the leaven out as he goes through, uh, and, as, and this will help us. So <clears throat> that's the intro. So today's title is Heaven's Origins. We're only here for him, and we're only here from him. You'll understand that as we go along. So, verse 1, chapter 1. You ready? This is exegesis. I haven't done that in a while. Paul, an apostle. Well, we've got to stop there already, haven't you? 
My goodness, Paul an apostle. What a way to start a letter. Paul an apostle. Now, why, why apostle? Why, why ap- See, p- apostle even wasn't a Jewish word. It wasn't. So if you read the whole of the Old Testament, you won't find this word because it wasn't there. So they had priests, they had teachers, they had kings, they, they had prophets. All of those were Old Testament words used for their leaders and for influential people in their religion or in their nation, yeah? You can read that, they're, they're everywhere, prophets, priests, kings, te- teachers, it's, it's all there. Ezra was a teacher of the law. So that's all there. And then Jesus one day, he's walking around with his disciples and he goes up and he has, he has a pray and spends all night praying. And he comes down and he gathers them and he calls them apostles. And they're all like going, what the heck is that? He's, he's, he's giving them a name that didn't exist in their existing religious vocabulary. And he's actually borrowing a word. He's, bor- he's borrowing a word from Greek and then later Roman culture. And uh, if you want to do the hard yards on this, then buy yourself a copy of Kittel's, which is multiple volumes. And this is what Kittel, which is the most respected uh, Greek authority on the Greek words in the New Testament. All right. What's the origin of the word apostle? Because it's not in Hebrew. It's not a Jewish tradition. And so Jesus must have grabbed it for a reason. All right? Not just to shock them, but because of it said something that they needed to hear. Now, it does fundamentally mean sent one, but it has, it has some more content than simply sent. So if you, if you look at it early in... In the Greek usage, it was used of actually ships going to another place. And then it became aligned with like the, the, the captain or the admiral of the fleet of ships going to a place. And then the Romans borrowed it. And, and, and in a very short, I mean, you have to read a lot of stuff to get this, but it's in there. And it basically, apostles became synonymous with those sent from another culture to ex, not simply as conquerors, but exporters of that culture to inculturate the new place they went to. So the disciples are sitting there listening. They said, I call you apostles. They're thinking about the people that came from Rome to try and make the Jews more Roman. And they hated them. What Jesus is saying, I'm sending you as apostles because I'm sending you into all the earth to make all the earth look more like heaven, which is where you're being sent from. Are you you following me? So Paul is saying, I'm one of these. I'm one of these sent ones to bring the culture of another realm into the realm which you currently understand. It wasn't meant to be a religious word. It was meant to communicate, I'm I'm here representing heaven to the earth and I'm here to bring that culture to invade this one, so this one looks more like that one. That's what he's, when he says Paul Apostle, that's what he's saying. And this letter is his, if you like, is his ensuring and defending that the culture remains intact. His, his passion, this sturdness that I referred to, this is that he wants to keep the culture right. He wants to keep the atmosphere of these communities 
increasingly like heaven and less like earth. The more you bring in rules, the more it looks like earth. The more you release the presence, the more it looks like heaven. So Paul, an apostle, sent not from man, nor by human institution, I think the NASB says. Because that's a big thing is, who gives you the right to do this? To set up churches by what? Who gives you the right to say that this is the truth? Who gives you the right to say it should be this way and not that way? See, these guys were shown up from Jerusalem, which was, if there was, a, if there was a, a most significant place to come from, it was that. Yeah? It would be like if you're in the Roman Catholic Church saying, well, I've come from Rome. I've come from the Vatican, and I have a letter from the Pope which says this should happen. That's the kind of reference they're making to Jerusalem. Paul's saying, I don't have a letter. I don't have an HQ. Just God sent me. Because religion needs rules and it needs rulers. And it needs a system of authorization. And here's Paul going, well, I have a system of authorization. I just got it direct from the boss. No, I have no letter of recommendation. I have no committee backing me. I have nothing behind me other than the fact that Jesus... And it's interesting, he says this. He says, I'm sent from Jesus and the Father. And, and, and I love that. I love the, the fact that although he was, he was a committed, uh, there is only one God man, he had a direct relationship with all three persons of the Trinity. He could tell the difference between God saying do it, Jesus saying do it, and the Spirit saying do it. And that didn't give him a, prob- that didn't give him a theological headache. He just knew there was a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit, and they were three persons but one God. But he could say... I, I bet, I mean, this has happened to me sometimes. You know, they, the Trinity, have you had the Trinity show up in your car? It's just kind of fun. So you can relate to that. So he, the Father had said, this is what you're to do. The Son had said, this is what you're to do. And for him, that was enough. So he had a clear sense of authority, not rooted in humans, not rooted in man's authority, not you rooted in any institution. But all he could say is, the Father sent me and the Son sent me. End of. I have been authorized to do this job. And I have a relationship personally with the Godhead. So intimate that I can tell you that they spoke to me to do this. And that's all I need. That's a lot of trust, isn't it, by him in what he heard from them. When there's pressure on, when there's other voices, when there's other people saying, no, it should be this way, he's saying, well, I have sufficient trust in the connection and the interaction I have had personally with Jesus and I have had personally with the Father to know that what I'm doing is authorized by them and that's good enough for me. And I'm not shifting no matter whatever else is happening. And later on you see that, that he gets into a bit of argy-bargy with Barnabas who gets led astray and then later Peter, the great apostle Peter gets led astray and Paul is like, I'm not getting into fear of man. 
Just because the circumcision party's shown up again from Jerusalem, allegedly from James, all the important people here, I'm not changing my mind because I've heard from him. So later on, you see what happens is, is Peter, normally Peter's enjoying his full Scottish breakfast with the Gentiles. So bacon, sausage, and black pudding are all on his plate. And then the legalists come and he stops eating breakfast with the Gentiles and he goes back to kosher. You see, Jews couldn't eat pork and they weren't supposed to eat blood. So no stolen away black pudding, no sausage and no bacon. And suddenly he flips because he gets under pressure by these allegedly important people. And Paul's having none of it and confronts him to him face and says, Get back to eating, eating bacon. We're free in Jesus and you're violating the gospel. So every time you eat your black pudding and your full Scottish, you are enjoying the liberty of the gospel. That's just one example. (laughs) If you're still under Jewish law, no blood and no pork. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But he was serious about sustaining this disconnect from... Judaism, he was saying, no, we are not like that. He was not there to prop up good old Judaism, the good old church of Judaism of which he had been part. That was not what he was there. He was actually making every effort to make sure that none of that history bled through into the present. Are you still happy? Then he says, grace and peace to you. Now, this is a traditional greeting for letters written in that time, this kind of format of, this is who I am. But, but, you know, Paul had this way of taking normal things and making them impartational. And Jesus said that when you go into a house and you say, peace to this house, if your peace is released and doesn't return to you, then stay in the house. And for those of us who have grown up in the West, that just sounds a bit weird and we move on to the next scripture. But what he's saying is it's possible to impart peace. And the peace there is shalom. It's the well-being of heaven that you carry can be imparted into a place that you go. And Paul was so soaked in the well-being of heaven that he was working, making tents in Ephesus and didn't have time to pray for all the sick. So they started taking his hankies and his sweat cloths and laying them on sick people when he wasn't there and they started getting delivered and getting healed. There was impartation in his handkerchief. And it had been covered in his sweat and who knows what else it was covered in. But more importantly, it was covered in anointing that could get you healed and delivered. And so he writes a letter. And I love, I love just stay with me, in the Psalms, there's a new translation called the Passion Translation. I love what they've done with the Psalms. And as you read the Psalm, those little bits in, in your Bible that say, Selah, Yeah? Say that, and there's different ideas, but what they've said is let's just pause and enjoy the presence for a moment. Yeah, I think when Paul wrote a letter 
And he said, grace and peace to you. He was expecting you to get grace and peace. It was an impartational moment. Anybody need some more grace and peace in their life right now? All right, just, just, just lift our hands. Let's pause and enjoy his presence. Just take it. There's grace and peace on this letter from our Father to us. Grace for our kids, grace for our finances, grace for our work. Receive grace and peace in your life. The other thing you see here that Paul keeps talking about God as Father, God as Father, God as Father. And he's doing, he's doing what Jesus did. I, I looked this up. God as Father is mentioned twice in the Old Testament, twice in Jeremiah, twice in Isaiah, once in Psalms and once in Deuteronomy. There's a lot of Old Testament. If you look at your Bible, it's mostly Old Testament. Six references to God as Father. Jesus shows up, all he seems to talk about is Abba. Pray like this, Abba. The book of John, I've come to reveal the Father. This was the radical thing Jesus did, was reveal that God was Papa. It was not an easy surmise to extract from the Old Testament that this was the major revelation of the nature and heart of God, that he was Papa. I don't know, somebody worked out the percentage, but it's something like 0.007% of the Old Testament has God as, the phrase God as Father. The New Testament is full of it, it's virtually on every page. It's the big revelation that Jesus brought to the planet is God is our heavenly Papa. And it freaked him out. And Paul is of the same mind. It's God, our Father, our Father in heaven. He's my Father. He transitioned out of this, this God as judge paradigm to God as Father paradigm. And he's promoting it in, 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 as he expresses the language he uses when he talks about God. Isn't that exciting? And then he has this little, verse 6 through, he has this little rant. Let them be accursed. And if you didn't hear it the first time, more curses on them. <laughs> this, this is, it's okay to get stirred up about this stuff. See, he knew as soon as you put any human effort in the gospel, it was no longer a gospel. Someone once said, a gospel of works is not good news, it's bad information. <laughs> Someone's making something that is meant to be for free and generously given, stingy and hard work. And he's saying, they've, they, I mean, he was the guy that probably planted these churches. He's the guy that taught them. And sometimes I think, well, if I'd been taught by the Apostle Paul, I'd have it down. You know, no one's going to deceive me. But actually, the truth is, they were vulnerable 
to this insidious infection of legalism, and so are we. So is the church. I think the church has been just generally affected by this discoloration that comes in. And I think the key to, to it is staying connected to apostolic fathers who carry heaven's authorization and what we'll come to in a minute and the revelation of the true nature of the gospel. That's what Paul's doing. He's being a father to them. He's going, I'm really concerned. In fact, later he says, I'm in labor. Now more like a mother. He says, I'm in labor over you again until Christ be formed inside of you. I'm so concerned for you. And he sees, he sees the devil at work here. In fact, later in chapter 3, he says that this submission to this idea means that they've come under a demonic hex, a demonic spell. And, and, and you know, I just thought about this this morning. I thought, wow. Some of us, and, and I've done this, is, you know, we see the devil in our circumstances. You know, sometimes we feel the devil's getting at me. I'm not feeling well or I'm broke or my, I'm under pressure I don't think Paul's that bothered about that. I think the devil's more active in our belief system than our car breaking down. It's more important what you believe about your circumstances than what's happening in your circumstances. I'll say that again because it feels important. The devil's more at work in what you believe about your circumstances than the circumstances that are happening to you. Because what you believe about them is going to change the way you approach them. So we, we need to switch, I think, from saying, oh yeah, I'm having a real tough time, the devil's really getting at me. Well, the circumstances are not the issue. What do you believe about them? What do you believe about God in the midst of them? What do you believe he's doing? Do you believe he's good? Do you believe he's still a father? Or are you attaching... Are you attaching God, has God become your enemy because of your circumstances? That means your belief system is askew. If God has suddenly become not good because you're having a bad day, that's to do with your belief system, not to do with your circumstances. Is it, am I making sense? You can't read his nature from what happens to your car. I mean, when we say it like that, it sounds completely dumb, doesn't it? But actually, I've lived like that, and some of you have too. It's like, oh, God's really after me. Our car broke down. The devil's really after me. You know, I couldn't pay my gas bill. That's just so not what's going on. Paul's passion is not for help for them to see the devil in their, where the devil is at work in their circumstances. He's helping them to discern where the devil has polluted their belief system. Then you can deal with circumstances. Just thought I'd say that. <clears throat> and then verse 10, I love this. This was, am I looking, whose approval? Oh. Verse 10, for, am I now seeking the favor of men or God? Huh. <laughs> ouch, ouch, ouch. 
whose, whose glory am I after? Whose favor, whose approval, whose smile, whose pat on the back am I really motivating? What am I motoring for here? Uh, uh, I want you, Jesus. Because sm- what he writes in Philippians, what I read out, it's like, I just want to know him. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ. All the other stuff I had. I had position. I had possessions. I had a earthly authority. I had recognition. I, I what, what he's saying is, I was something. I really was something. Above all my friends, I was advancing in my world, in my chosen sphere, in my industry, however you want to put it, I was advancing beyond all of my fellows. For someone at my age and stage, I was tearing it up. I was ahead of the game. I was happening and I was a somebody. And I knew it and I was enjoying it. And I counted it all as dog poo for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. That is the literal translation. Is like a rag that has been messed upon and thrown in the back garden, is literally what he's saying. He had it all. But by comparison to the delights of knowing Christ, it was nothing. Wow. 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 And now he says... I'm just looking for his approval. That's my, that's my passion. That's my desire. His approval is worth more to me than any other kind of glory, any other kind of affirmation you could give me. It's just getting it from just seeing the smile on Papa's face is worth it all. That's what was happening in the worship, wasn't it? Oh, the love of God. Whoa. No. Everything else melts. Our jobs and our careers and what our parents think of us and what people think of us and have we got enough and will we get enough and will we make it and ah, all the stuff that presses in and can I lead this church and you know, have I got enough in me to do the next bit and, 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 and can we pay the salaries this month and all the stuff that presses in on you and me in doing what we're doing. Ah, it's about him. This I can do. This I love. You I love. You love me. We're having a we're having a heart to heart feast. Oh, the salaries got paid. Good one. Thanks. <laughs> oh, the kids are showing up in Glasgow. Like it? Yeah, more. Some more are coming. Thank you. It's not. It's the same for you. What I, Paul's heart is feasting on the approval of the Godhead above everything else. And that is the right at the heart of who we are. Is, is we've been connected intimately with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We can all feast on Him as our premier love, as our superior passion, as our most delightful delight. Oh, let's just camp out here for about forever. You know, 
David was the same, wasn't he? I, I marvel at David. He's running a kingdom. He's fighting wars. He's paying bills. He's dealing with political people around him. He's, he's all this. And he just, he's just like, there must be pressing in on him for decisions and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, oh, I just love your presence, God. And by that, it doesn't mean, because I get in your presence and I say, what are we going to do about Billy Watts who wants to be promoted and what are we, how are we going to defeat King Ahag Akasura who I can't pronounce and we don't have enough arrows and we don't have enough bows and when are we when, when, God, when are you that's not what he's talking about he's not talking about a shopping list prayer life he's talking about an absolute overwhelming delight in the beauty of the presence of God he's like the pressure's on I'm just going to get in the presence ha oh. <laughs> well he said it says what's around God is a river of delights he's like oh, I'm just going to get in the river <sighs> so beautiful so good I think Paul's smoking the same stuff here he's, he's on the same wavelength he's oh, there's all these people with all these crazy ideas and they're messing up my churches but you know oh, I just love the approval of heaven You know, I was just thinking about this. We're quite busy as a church, but you know what? I want us to see that it's all about Him. Whether it's a conference or an outreach or a... Our passion is to be connected. For us all to see we've got intimacy as a free gift. We're joined, we're united with... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they're for us. And we don't have to perform for them. We partner with them. How exciting is that? And in the midst of everything that goes on, you know what? I'm chasing him, number one. He's the most fun. He's the most satisfying. He's the most delightful. My heart is set on that. How's your heart? What are you running after? Because running after him is the best. And it's amazing how all the other stuff seems to gain perspective, get sorted out when you're going after him. Just thought I'd say that. Good message for the beginning of the year. Because then he says that my message... (laughs) This is amazing. Honestly, verse 11. This is just... Just agree with me, all right? Makes the preach shorter. Thanks. It's true, isn't it? This is how it works. If you all go, oh, that's really good, then I'll move on. (laughs) I would have you know, brethren, verse 11, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man nor was I taught it. This doesn't make any sense to a lot of us in this room. Like, how can you get all this incredible stuff and nobody taught it to you? In fact, the truth is, everything he knew 
was against this incredible stuff. So he had been taught and taught well, but everything he had in his brain up to the point of his conversion was actually completely opposite to what he's now talking about. It wasn't like, oh, I've got some handy stuff in my past that I can add in. What he's talking about is a complete cutting off of all of that and receiving something totally different. That He says nobody taught him. Um, I went to the school of revelation. I received it through revelation of Jesus Christ. Wow. And that was enough. Wow. That's staggering. We don't know all about his revelations, but he tells us a little bit about, and the Bible tells us a little bit about some of Paul's encounters. So I'm just trying to say to you, Paul was an encounter-driven man. What he's taught, he got from, it's, it's our language, encountering. He had revelatory encounters with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that downloaded all this incredible theology, we call it, into his head and his heart. He didn't read a book. He didn't go to a Bill Johnson conference. He, did a, he, he just kind of got whacked with it. <laughs> so I don't think he got it all when he fell off his horse, you know, when he got converted and there was a bright light and he got, fell off his donkey or whatever he's riding. But then he talks about he was taken up into the third heaven and he saw things that he couldn't put words on and, and couldn't express. And I think maybe some of that's going on. Maybe I think he saw more than he could ever say. He had this expansive glory encounter, encounters and then was able to articulate it so spectacularly without no one ever teaching him other than Holy Spirit. Wow. So God sent him and God taught him, and he's standing four square on, on that. I have nothing else to offer you. I have no qualifications. I have no sending body, no institution backing me. But, but the father and the son said, come, and they showed me what to say. It's enough for me. Wow. This is Christianity 101. We get it from him. Now, it's okay to do school, it's okay, but, all that, but if it's not coming from him, we've not really been taught it. Because the teacher is the Holy Spirit, not the teachings. Remember, the truth is a person, not an idea. Am, am I helping you? That's why when we do stuff like HSSL, we pretty much always have an impartation encounter time. Because we could stand and teach it, but if God's not imparting it and bringing revelation and exploding our hearts with heaven's revelation, then we're not being true to our roots. We're not being true to the way this is designed to work. For lots of people, it's not enough to say, God sent me and God taught me. Well, prove it then. Well, he did prove it. His means of proof was not certificates or letters. He'd had all of that in the past. He just went around saying it, and its reality came to life in people. He healed people, raised the dead, healed the sick, and said, well, that's, that's the proof. By the way, two people got healed here last week, I forgot to say. I think one last was 
got an uh, inflamed tendon in the bottom of her foot. It was one of those fun ones, you know, five-second prayer, pain all gone, I'm going to go for a jog now. It was exciting, eh? Are you here? Are you here? Have I missed you? And, and someone else with a knee problem. And people are getting healed all the time. Isn't it exciting? That shows you it's meant to be part of the proof that we're getting it direct from headquarters. Is this, is this making sense? Is this helping? Okay, we're, we're going to land. You ready for a landing? Hopefully not a crash landing. <laughs> I love that he got it from heaven. So let, let's try and put this together. Here's Paul, apostle. God has this, this crazy realm called heaven where he lives and he inhabits. Yeah? And because of his passion, and it's good. Up there, it's fundamentally, it's good. It's the kind of place you want to be forever and ever. You'll never get bored of being there. And his idea when he sent Jesus was to show the world his heavenly fatherliness and express on earth what it looked like in heaven. Because Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God or the finger of God, then the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. Yeah? He went around bringing heaven to earth. How does God how does God bring heaven to earth? He does it through people by speaking to them and giving them revelations and then sending them off to do it. That's that's his kind of connection point. Yeah? Here's Paul, he's commissioned to bring heaven's culture to earth. How does what's God's methodology? He sends him, he authorizes him directly, and then he gives him these amazing revelations. So he can articulate in a way that people down here can start to receive what's happening up there. So that the heart of God makes a direct connection to our heart and it's not infected or affected by human legalism and religion. That's what's going on here. God's establishing, and that's what I believe that apostolic and prophetic ministry is meant to do, is, is, is be this sort of highway broadband connection of heaven to earth so that we keep connected to the original idea that heaven is coming to earth, that the kingdom of God is being manifest on the earth and we're making earth look more like what it is up there. But it happens by his authorization and his revelation first and foremost. And then, all right, wheels are down, flaps are up, runway's just about behind Andy's head. I think we're coming in. Because the, the rest of the chapter and on into chapter 2 is a lot of Paul trying to position himself regarding a lot of other people, particularly these guys from Jerusalem. And he says, well, yeah, I did, I did go to see them, but they had nothing to my message. And he's trying to... He's tr- it seems to me that he's pos- making sure he's honoring them, but he's keeping himself in clear water. Because he's sensing that what's pouring out of Jerusalem right now is gospel but plus. It's gospel tainted. So he says things like, well, now I went to see them in chapter 2. Those who seem to be important, but it made no difference to me. I mean, it's that kind of, 
I went to see the, I went to see the key guys, but it made no difference to me. They gave me their right hand of fellowship, and I hung out with them. But they added nothing to my message. In fact, they approved of it. But actually, I keep wanting you to hear that my approval's from heaven. I was sent from God. I wasn't sent from these people. And what I'm telling you came from there, came from heaven, not these people. And even if I tell you something different, shoot me. Because this is the pure thing. And I'm trying to keep some clear water around the pure thing so that it can thrive on the earth. And I'm trying to honor what's there. So I'm not trying to restate Judaism. I'm not trying to import Jerusalem even, Christian Jerusalem, I'm trying to keep this thing going with a direct line from heaven to earth happening right here. I'm commissioned to produce heaven's culture on the earth and, 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 I'm, and I'm working at keeping the pollutants out whilst at the same time honoring these chaps. And I'm honoring them so much that if they stop eating full Scottish, I'll tell them. Yeah, so he's, he, he, does com, he does brave communication. He gets in Peter's face and says, you used to eat with us and now you don't. You've got persuaded by the legalists. He's so passionate about keeping this thing pure and yet honoring. Are you, are you with me? Yeah. And I think it's so important. I think one of the things on us as a people is to create a community that is, that is mainlining heaven and that we honor everybody but we want to keep it in a sense of freedom is in the house. Are, are, you, are you understanding my heart here? I'm hoping this is making sense. Um, yeah. I think we are, um, we are here with many others to bring more of heaven to earth and to model a free culture not tainted by legalism. And that's not exclusive to us, all right? I'm not trying to make an exclusive statement. I'm trying to make a, a... I'm trying to recognize our assignment for us so that we make sense of what God's doing with us, okay? It's good to know what your assignment is. Paul knew what his assignment was. And it's good that we know what we are about to. Glory...